When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible. I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're looking at a vision of love that Jesus gives us. I hope you can smell it, too. How do you heal from yourself? From the stuff you've done to others. Not from stuff that other people have done to you so much, although there's always that part of it in the story. Moral injury or the regret and feelings of shame that come from things we've done or left undone. Our sense of morality is injured. Our sense of goodness, we're not good anymore. We've failed in some way to uphold our moral standards. How do you heal from that? How do you get over that? The story of Peter and Jesus gives us an example of how these two heal from that. Peter, who has denied Jesus three times, he has said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. He has denied affiliation, love. He's the, the, the sole job that he said he would do, I'll protect you to the death, he has not done. He's pulled out his sword, struck the high priest's slave's ear, but he has not done anything else. In fact, Jesus rebukes him for that. And then he goes into that place where there's a charcoal fire burning. It's cold out. And there around the fire, they ask him, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? And he says, no, I've never met him. Well, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? No, no, I'm not. Well, you have a Galilean accent. I'm sure you, you know him. You're one of his disciples. I've seen you with him. And he swears violently that he is not one of Jesus' disciples. And then Jesus is crucified. And then Jesus rises from the dead and Peter runs to the tomb, but he doesn't get to talk to him, especially one-on-one. And so he goes back to fishing. He's at the Sea of Galilee doing what he does best up until he met Jesus. Jesus meets them on the shore and the disciples don't know it's Jesus. They're out in the boat. He tells them to cast the net on the other side of the boat, and Peter does it. And that's when they realize it's the Lord as the great haul of fish come in. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a fisherman to know that simply casting a net on the other side of a boat, um, you know, isn't really that far away from where you were casting it before. So the fact that there's fish over there but not over here is the miracle. It's pretty astounding, actually, that they would haul up the nets just to cast them on the other side. Um, And they do that as an act of faith because there's some spark in them that recognizes Jesus even before they recognize him. And so Peter immediately realizes it's Jesus and gets his robe on. He's been naked in the boat, puts his robe on and swims to shore. He gets to shore and there's Jesus on the shore. He has a charcoal fire there. He's roasting the fish and the bread 
is there being cooked. And Jesus says, bring some of the fish that we've caught so we can roast it too. And there's a smell of cooking food, charcoal grilling, barbecuing. And this is the same smell that Peter smelled on the night he denied Jesus. It's almost like exposure therapy is happening, taking him back to the scene of the crime. Can he handle it? Will he handle it? And they get all the fish in, and nobody dares ask Jesus who he is. Jesus takes the bread and gives it to them in the Eucharist. This is another moment of establishing this pattern of sacramental presence, that Jesus is with us, and that in itself is healing. The healing presence of Jesus is there, and the signs that point to him. And then this threefold restoration happens. Remember, the denial was threefold. I mean, if you say something three times, you kind of mean it, right? I mean, that's pretty pretty solid evidence that you think something if you can say it three times, maybe once in a slip of the tongue, maybe twice to get yourself out of a jam, but three times. And so the threefold restoration happens here. He's not even called Peter by Jesus. He calls him by his pre-Christian name, his pre-Jesus name, if you will. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And the these, I guess, are the fish. Do you love me more than these fish? The miracle that he was given. Or maybe even the other disciples or his family or the Sea of Galilee. Do you love me more than these? And then his answer is, yes. Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Now in the Greek, in the Greek, getting into the Greek here, John was written in Greek originally. In the Greek, Jesus says, do you agape me? Agape in the Greek is the word for love. It's a word often associated with God's love, but it can be associated with all kinds of love. But it's it's sort of the, strongest word for love. Like we use the word love in a romantic relationship. You don't say I love you um, until you're really ready to say that. And that's a moment in a relationship where someone says that I love you. Um, If you ask your romantic partner, do you love me or do you like me? Or if you were to say, I love you. And they say, I like you so much. You're such a good person. You've just been friend-zoned. And that's what Peter does to Jesus. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I like you. The word he uses is the word philo, filio. Um, It's the word in the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. Um, It is more like affection or I like somebody. It's not as strong a word as love. Although like every word, in every language, there's a semantic range that goes round and round. And you can, if you torture a word long enough, it can pretty much say anything you want. But there's definitely a difference in the way Jesus asks Peter if he loves him and the way Peter answers. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I like you. 
Peter, Jesus says it again. Peter, do you love me? And Peter answers again, or Simon, do you love me? And Peter answers again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. And the third time, Simon, son of Peter, son of John, do you love me? Jesus says, and this time Peter feels hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And this third time, Jesus doesn't say, Peter, do you love me? He says, Peter, do you like me? He uses the filio word rather than the agape word. Peter, do you like me? And then Peter's upset. He realizes what he's done. He realizes that he's been honest with God. He's been honest with Jesus. That this is Peter without any pretense, without any, without any walls, without any blustering bravado. This is Peter at his rawest. It is Peter just saying what first comes to his mind. He can't lie. He can't deceive here. He isn't sure that he fully loves Jesus. He only can say, I like you. And that is enough. And that is enough faith for Jesus to meet him where he is. Jesus meets him at the like level. He doesn't worry about Peter's love. He worries about Peter's restoration. And like is enough to be restored. And he restores him. He meets him where he is. And Peter's upset by this, much like he's upset when Jesus wants to wash his feet and he protests. It's the same kind of upset that he realizes that Jesus is meeting him at this lower level of love, this more fragile level of love. That's where Jesus has met him. This is what healing looks like for someone who has done something they regret. It is being met at the place of love that you're capable of. Moral injury hurts our ability to love. Moral injury damages our ability to care. We know the limits of love. We know how we've failed in love. And so Jesus meeting him where he is, is the ultimate act of love for someone who has moral injury. Jesus meets him there and that is his healing. That is his healing. His healing is restoration. His healing is a new purpose. His healing is becoming the apostle that preaches at Pentecost His healing is an action. His healing is the opportunity to now love the way Jesus loves, meeting people where they are and calling them into a deeper relationship with God. That is what Peter is now healed so he can do that work. And that is true for us too. Jesus always meets us where we're at and all love meets us where we're at, not some place where we should be, but the place where we are in all of our raw honesty and actuality. That is the person God loves. As Kierkegaard said, face the truth of who you are, for that changes who you are. The sooner we face the facts of our limitations of love, the sooner we can experience the healing and restoration of God's love. Because God can work with anything and everything. Amen.
O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith, that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.